0: to the Silver Screen Roll Podcast Network. This is I Love Basketball. I'm Sabrina Merchant, joined as always by Anthony Irwin. Anthony, I'm going to start things off here with a little bit of a victory lap because the last time you and I recorded, I believe you said that Austin Reeves was not going to get any meaningful minutes. And I said, I would be surprised if he didn't get rotation minutes. And lo and behold, Austin Reeves, <laughs> rotational player. How are we feeling? <laughs>
1: You know, it's not exactly a shocker that you're smarter than me, Sabrina. Like it's <laughs> <laughs> it's not anybody listening to this and anybody who follows us on Twitter would 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 know that uh if there was a bet to be made that there this was the likely outcome here. It's not just by the way that Austin Reeves got minutes and has been good in those minutes, but like we're gonna discuss as some of these guys get back. Like Kendrick Nunn is probably gonna be back in the next couple of weeks. Uh Taylor Horton Tucker, maybe the next um a little longer than that but but he's going to start working his way back um it's going to be funny and it's going to be a little awkward when Reeves is the guy that Lakers are clamoring to keep in the rotation over guys like Malik Monk over guys like Rajon Rondo over guys like Avery Bradley and uh, how that goes down is going to be really really fascinating to watch
0: yeah I mean I had high hopes for Austin Reeves. Uh, I did not
1: have this high of hopes
0: for Austin Reeves, at least this early.
1: It looks like a beetle. Like, <laughs> it's like it's, it's like young Ringo Starrs playing
0: yeah. for the Lakers. It's incredible. It's amazing the glow up that has already taken place, like pre-draft to now for Austin Reeves. Like I was re-watching this video that he did with Mike Schmitz, just like as a little deep dive before the draft. And like, he even looks more like, hillbilly ish then that he does now yeah
1: well he was wearing overalls
0: oh, so right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought that was a it little overboard does but does
0: affect things yeah
1: <laughs> he was chewing on a piece of hay you know wearing a straw hat <laughs> i thought it was a you know a little overkill but you know what you find your niche and you hammer that thing home
0: mm-hmm. hillbilly kobe appears to be here to stay so those those are good times Uh, But let's let's get into it with that Lakers rotation starting lineup Um, with Dwight Howard out for the last two days. The Lakers have gone with a smaller starting five, whether that's a consequence of Dwight not playing or just playing against the Rockets or Frank Vogel trying to experiment, whatever. Um, We've got what I would assume to be the four set starters of LeBron, AD, Russell Westbrook and Kent Bazemore. Feel free to disagree with me about Bazemore, but to me, I think he's earned starting spot number four. And then instead of going with DeAndre Jordan, they used Avery Bradley in place at point guard. Just initial thoughts on that starting five, Anthony, how the Lakers got to this point. uh, If you like it, I know obviously your child is named after Avery Bradley. So
1: lots of good vibes there. (laughs) Totally. You know, I am out here in Texas. He went to UT, Mm -hmm. Um, but he, so I was thinking about this uh, over the weekend and it's kind of funny because Rondo has this reputation of of swag and intent, like you know all of the things that like you offer up to point guards that you like, but you can't explain explain why they're good, you know, like why that player is actually good. And then like Avery Bradley is that put on defense. So if you just combined Rajon Rondo with Avery Bradley, Frank Bogle would have the his favorite player ever, I think, is is what you would be looking at. And So it's kind of funny that he's kind of opted for flipping a coin between those two guys. And it's also very telling because this is how Frank Vogel operates, that he is always going to, if possible, lean on his defensive instincts. That's what he's going to be doing. And and in this case, and it's very rare that he's able to do that with this team because there (laughs) there aren't very many guys who can actually fulfill those defensive instincts. But in this case, Avery Bradley compared to Rajon Rondo does. And, and I think it's the right call. I think Bradley does less damage to your team, given his deficiencies, than Rondo does.
0: Yeah, I mean, I can't believe we're having this conversation two years later after the Avery Rondo discussion of the 2019 I'm still not positive Rob
1: Polinka <laughs> watches non-Lakers games so I, I'm, I'm not exactly shocked that we're I mean, having I think he this was
0: Bradley's agent back in the day too like there is a long-standing relationship between Avery Bradley mm-hmm. and Polinka. and obviously the Lakers were quite fond of Avery Bradley back in 1920 yeah. they had the so-called Avery challenge um, with regards to how he helped their defense and sort of the defensive intensity they were trying to replicate when he was out uh, I I I just I can't believe I'm saying all these things, but yeah, I'm perfectly happy having Avery Bradley in the starting lineup again. Like it's great,
1: uh, but not for too long though. Not like, for too much. <laughs> let's get some guys back healthy. Yeah. Let's not, I, you know. It's
0: it's so funny to me, like how hard we are trying to recreate 1920. Just so very much, yeah. even just down to the discussions that are being had about the team. But uh, ignoring two years ago for now, uh, there are so many ball handlers on this team. So many, so many, mm-hmm. like in the starting lineup already with LeBron and Russ, the level of usage between those two guys, uh, it just seems unnecessary and almost uh like backwards to have another guy like Rondo who needs the ball in his hands. Otherwise yeah. you have him or Russell playing like a spot up shooter role, which God forbid that ever happens again on a Lakers lineup. So having Bradley who admittedly not respected as a shooter, but competent enough, especially from the corners. He knows the Lakers sets. He knows where to be. I think we saw that immediately in that Golden State game where he had just been acquired by the Lakers and came in and already knew a couple of things to run with Anthony Davis and where to spot up. So I think he takes away less on offense just because you can have him without the ball in his hand and he's going to function fine. And then, yeah, you know, having a point of attack defender who can get through a screen like – Whoa, that exists on the Lakers this year like, Poor Monk.
1: Congratulations Monk got screened sometime last week and I'm still not sure he's free of that <laughs> thing. <laughs> it it also just kind of goes to show by the way the exact type of player that you need alongside LeBron. Like this isn't rocket science. I, I we just joked about it at the start of the show that I'm not very intelligent. This is very easy basketball theoretics right here where you have a guy in LeBron who is probably the smartest offensive player that the game has ever seen. Arguably the most efficient ball handler that the game has ever seen. Um, Somebody who can do basically anything based on whatever whim that he has. Like last night, he decided late in the game, I'm just going to shoot nothing but fall away jumpers off of the one foot. Like he just gets bored and he decides like, that's, that's what I'm going to do here. And, and I think for, for the kind of player that works alongside him, we've seen two like lesser versions of that player in Matthew Della Vadova and in Avery Bradley, where in terms of skill sets, just go out there and defend decently, knock down the occasional open shot, don't turn the ball over, and hey, look at that, you're going to work alongside LeBron. And then with KCP and with Alex Caruso, we saw two better basketball players. KCP at one point started a point guard. Remember it? yep. And it's like in the
0: to- finals run, in case can yeah. out for sure. <laughs> he was,
1: he was able to do that because again, don't turn the ball over, knock down the occasional open shot, defend well. Caruso don't turn the ball over and all of those things. And with Avery Bradley, it's the same. And, and when you look at Rajon Rondo, he's the antithesis of those things, right? He is probably turn the ball over is, is, is part of Rondo's game. Cause he's going to push the envelope when it comes uh-huh. to some of the passes that he makes. Not exactly respected as a shooter, not very good defensively. And so that's why, you know, just in terms of keeping it super simple here, why that pairing doesn't necessarily work and why it does with Avery Bradley. Like Avery Bradley can't stick anywhere else in the league because LeBron only plays for one team. Like that's that's exactly what's going on there.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it's fine to have players with deficiencies so long as the rest of your roster is capable of masking them, right? Like it's yeah. not a problem. If Avery Bradley is going to get a little too aggressive at the point of attack, because, Oh, Hey, Anthony Davis is back there to sort of clean things up at the rim.
1: Yep. Or
0: if the Lakers do play big, like there's Dwight Howard, or I'm going to stop there. But <laughs> I, I like the idea of, you know, For one spot, jump. First there's DeAndre
1: the Jordan. One <laughs> jump. He is there. <laughs> Anything after that.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's, this is a nominally positive podcast. I'm going to avoid the things that actively upset me about the Lakers. So for now, that means I can talk about Rajon Rondo because I do think there are situations where he's helpful, just not next to Russell Westbrook. I think they figured out sort of how to play him next to LeBron James. There's a little bit more synergy there. Rondo still seems to me like a break glass sort of guy. Like if one of your league guards yep. is out for the day, then yeah, he's a perfectly suitable backup point guard. Great. Yep. Need to have one of those on the roster because like we saw last year, It's hard when you don't have a backup point guard. Things go to shit really quickly. (laughs) It's really, really
1: bad. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. But like the Avery Bradley addition, I mean, I think obviously the Lakers would be better suited if Kendrick Nunn was healthy to take that role or Mm if uh, Taylor Horton Tucker proves worthy of, you know, playing alongside the big three. I'm still not sure if his spot up shooting is where it needs to be, but hey, it's not like Avery Bradley is a fantastic spot up shooter. You know, we're, we're dealing with the best the Lakers got right now. Um, Yeah. I mean, even, like, the, the feel-good Malik Monk story has already, like, worn its way outward. <laughs> like, the guy hadn't scored in three straight games and then comes in to take cold free throws. Uh, yeah. This is the first, and we all know how the Lakers game ended against the Rockets last night. That could have gone very poorly. Yeah. So
1: It's been you know, fun they're... to watch all the, like, a lot of Lakers fans realize, oh, that's why he's available for the minimum. <laughs> <Sorry>. Ah, okay. <laughs> it came really quickly. <laughs> Yeah, that's, it's true that it happened faster than I thought, but, but that's kind of how it has to happen. If you're going to realize these things, because especially with somebody like Nunn, who lit the world on fire in preseason, which Mm -hmm. in and of itself is a, is a red flag kind of sentence, right? Lit the world on fire in preseason where the vast majority of the guys that are playing aren't trying very hard. Mm -hmm. And, and so, yeah, he's going to look good in that kind of a spot. Um, And then as soon as defenses started realizing, all right, well, when the Lakers are out there and they're actually really trying there, there, there are some lineups where it's kind of difficult to find, you know, very many holes that you can just very many scabs that you can pick and pick and pick. And, and then when you do find that when an offense does find that you'll have spots where Malik gets put in pick and roll six or seven consecutive possessions. And then if he isn't scoring on the other end of it, bam, just like that, it's an 8-0 run that his, that, that shows up in his plus-minus. It's the same thing with Carmelo. And and on the road, Melo gets put in those spots, doesn't knock down those shots, and it's, and it's tough to, to make that work. on in, At home, though, at Staples Center, like Staples Melo is becoming a thing where he can get put in those spots, and yet on the other end of the court, he'll walk into three-pointers, and when he's shooting it, He's the, he's one of the few guys in Lakers recent history that he shoots it and you're surprised it doesn't go in. So like monk has to be that kind of a shooter because he isn't the kind of defender that Avery Bradley is not to say that Bradley lights the world on fire. I don't really, I think it's a lot of try hard kind of Patrick Patterson kind of stuff with Avery Bradley. Patrick Beverly. What? Oh yeah. 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 Patrick Patterson doesn't play defense, but, but like <laughs> Patrick, Patrick Beverly kind of stuff where like it it looks like he's working really hard on defense. It looks like he's really effective on defense, but then if you watch him off of the ball, you're like, Oh, okay. That's why that's why his defense isn't exactly where the eye test would necessarily say, if you're looking at numbers, but yeah, I think, I think for, for options that the Lakers have right now, I think Vogel is figuring out some combinations that shouldn't happen. And and to his credit, it has gone really far in eliminating him, right? Like, we haven't seen Rondo in two games, let alone alongside Russell Westbrook. And, and I think the next one that I think he's probably going to have to start getting ready to eliminate it are Monk-Melo line, lineups, where, yeah, on offense, maybe the offense looks good, but if you aren't a world-beater on offense, then those guys are too – it's too easy to pick on the – a two man game featuring monk and mellow trying to handle a screen is just recipe for disaster. So I think that's the next thing. As soon as, as soon as none gets back here, uh, I'm guessing that that's kind of where things go. But again, like, that's only if Vogel is willing to go away from monk in favor of an undrafted rookie in Austin Reeves, which is fascinating because he totally should. He absolutely <laughs> should. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I've been very pleasantly surprised with Mello. Um, You know, a couple of the the jab step jumpers uh, that I was fearing, uh, they still exist because he is Carmelo Anthony. He's the ninth greatest scorer of all time. Like, uh, you can't just take away the guy's moves when he's gotten to this point by being who he is. But I love the idea that like LeBron can bring the ball up, feed it to Mello in the post. If he gets one foot in the paint, that's pretty much a bucket. Like he's Mm -hmm. really good at. Scoring one on one, and as a spot up shooter, like that game against Memphis was just tremendous fun. Uh, And like you mentioned, that Bradley's kind of a try hard on defense, and like Mello has never looked like he's trying on defense, but he kind of looks like he's trying now. I don't know if it's effective, but I think you know just there is like a, a common ground I think that has been met with Mello and Frank Vogel or Frank Vogel is yeah. giving him really easy tasks to accomplish, putting him in the best possible situations. You know, you, you get to play next to LeBron James, like he's going to cover up everything you want defensively. <laughs> like you don't have to play <laughs> yeah. make for anybody. You can score just by yourself. We just need 10% more defense than like what Denver Mello has given us. And Admittedly, I think Melo would have a shorter leash were Trevor Reese healthy to eat up mm-hmm. some of those minutes. Like the fact that he is
1: he he
0: able to play like with all of these uh, defensive gaps that have still occurred. I mean, I think it's just a product of the Lakers roster, but I don't know, like a guy with that size, I just feel like has more potential defensively than Malik Monk, who yeah. on his best day is just still a small combo sized guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, who is attempting to guard twos and it's, it's never going to end that well for him unless something miraculous happens. And I don't anticipate that happening this year, at least for the Lakers.
1: No. I, and and I think, I think for monk, you know, he's kind of, I think he's going to fall into the, um, Quinn cook kind of role or, uh, who's Oh, Troy Daniels. I Uh, guess he's going to, he's, he's going to fit into that Uh, kind of role where, (laughs) right. Where they, they, um, you know, they they go to him and see if he can be a microwave kind of guy, where you just throw him in, and if he hits two three shots before the defense or before their offense can start to target him, then then great. Then Malik Monk Malik Monk just came in and either added to the momentum or swung the momentum, and then get him out of there before it can swing back the other way. Um, and I think that's by the way, like until he develops an ability to not perish on screens, then. Like I, I think that's what he's going to be in the NBA for, for the foreseeable future. Um, the, the other thing too, like with with Melo that I've I've really enjoyed is like you could tell there's a sense of accountability that he has now because like there are very few players that can hold him to account the way that LeBron can, right? Just in terms of resume in terms of, of friendship, in terms of, in, in terms of like everything that you need to tell a former superstar, Hey man, like this is what we need you to do. Like that's, that's it. We saw it with Dwight, right. Where, where Dwight came in. And the Lakers basically told him you're not going to get post touches. Like you're just not, you might get one every blue moon or whatever, but, but you, that's not going to be a part of your game anymore. And sure. Melo made up for that from jab by jab, stepping at the free throw line, but like, That's what that's that's kind of what the Lakers have had to have, like in order for this to work. This is what it was always going to look like, and and to see that the relationship and the respect there pay dividends with LeBron and Mello tells me that like they can take they can take chances not just this year but maybe moving forward on guys like that. Like we this 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 is now a trend. It's it's Dwight and then Mello and and previously it was like like waiters like played the only decent basketball <laughs> of the last like three years with the lakers you know like it's now a trend the lakers wrote, can hold people accountable that that, that in ways that other teams can't
0: i wrote so many words about dion waiters from march to like october of that year for no reason he did not play <laughs> like he was yeah. just a useless piece of that championship puzzle
1: but hey um, yeah. no
0: I, I think that you're absolutely right uh and you except know, except with DeAndre say, well,
1: Jordan, I think the, <laughs> DeAndre Jordan is the exception to the rule.
0: <laughs> well, like, Melo was in Portland and he was playing with a guy like Dame, who theoretically should be able to, you know, bring guys into line. But Dame's never really played defense, like, he can't no. tell Melo that he has to bring it on that under the floor when he never has. Like, same with right, CJ, right. that's just not, that's not the same. And like, I respect Terry Stotts quite a bit as a head coach he's not a championship head coach. There's a certain level of equity that Frank Vogel gets in terms of this is my scheme and it has worked. So you need to buy into it. Uh, And that's
1: an AD like AD, like the, the presence of just superstars who can, you know, cause like, I'm sure I'm guessing, you know, just based on what I know about like NBA locker rooms at this point, just having been around the sport now for, is I can't believe I'm saying this as long as I have, but like, they get heated, right? Like when when the heatles were a thing and LeBron bumped Spolstra, the response from almost every NBA player out there was, yeah, we're crazy competitive. We all really want to win. There's there's a ton at stake here. And especially in that environment, you know, like things are going to get heated. And I'm sure in some of these uh, film room sessions that it gets heated. And LeBron tells AD, man, we need you on the block here more. And, and AD tells LeBron, you can't finish five straight possessions with your palms up in the air, asking what just happened when the guy you you were supposed to be guarding just knocked down a three pointer, just like Christian Wood did last night, you know? And, and I think when things get that kind of heated and when there's the trust that it can get that heated and still be productive, like that's how a team should, should work.
0: Yeah. Um, I am still interested to see if the defense can take another step forward with AD Playing at the five, um, yeah, I do think that uh, logically it makes more sense just because you're putting better players on the court, better defensive players on the court. Um, but I also know that AD likes to move around a lot, and not necessarily be the back line all the time. Um, mm-hmm. So I I don't know how much to take away against the Rockets, who are like a facsimile of an NBA team at this point. So it's yeah. it's tricky. Um, but Alfred
1: Shengun is the worst NBA player I've ever seen. <laughs> There's a lot of Yi on Leon to that guy. Like it just they, they remind me a lot of each other, both in terms of like skill set, approach to the game, and then just like general does not give a bleepedness. Like he mm-hmm. just yeah. it was wild to watch somebody get scored on as often as he was, and not once seem to get annoyed at himself for getting scored yeah. on as often as he was.
0: There's uh you know, there's a lot of young talent on that Houston team, so they don't need everybody to hit. Um, Jalen Green. <laughs> Looks great. Look good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I still like uh, Garuba quite a bit. Uh, LeBron James's clone's younger brother. <laughs> nice little piece <laughs> on Houston as well. Uh, but yeah, uh, the, the starting lineup for now is fine. I hope that we get to see this small configuration stick out longer, if only because that means that there is only one backup center playing. And God willing, I hope that is Dwight Howard when he returns. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think that for me, the backcourt thing sort of comes down to... I. Th- I imagine Monk is just going to get excised from the rotation. Yeah. But when none and THT come back, that's where the Reeves minutes come into play. And so, can Vogel play Reeves over Bradley? Mm-hmm. I don't really see that happening. <laughs> but yeah, THT's minutes sort of eat into the wing minutes, and mm-hmm. then there's still guard minutes available for Austin Reeves. I do think he's done enough to like still be a part of the rotation more than a Quinn Cook, Troy Daniels, you know way. Um, maybe even if it's just like the limited Alex gruesome and as a four, everybody realized he was really good. Like those minutes are yeah. still available. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> yeah. So let's yeah. do that.
0: Uh, yeah. And it's an 82 game season. Like you need to run a 10 man rotation. I really do believe mm-hmm. that a 10 man rotation is necessary uh, just to get through this year. I assume LeBron will be sitting out more games. Like it's just something like there'll be minutes available. I think Reeves will get some, but I am a little concerned by the newfound love for Avery Bradley uh, not newfound, just like restored love for Avery Bradley. Yeah. And I don't, I'm not rooting against him, obviously. Like I want the Lakers to do well. I want Bradley to do well so that the Lakers can do well. I just don't want him to do so well that Austin gets knocked out. of that.
1: Song. <laughs> well, it's more like, it's more that I hope. Cause there's always confirmation, confirmation biases at play. And I think with Frank Vogel, he wants to see Avery Bradley be a part of this rotation. And I think sometimes you need the player to protect the coach from himself. And uh, I, you know, Right. And so like, I, I think here with, I think here with, with Bradley, um, like the more, cause even last night, right. He goes long stretches without really affecting the game. And, and I think it's fine if you're a periphery player, but if you're starting, you have to, do more than go out there and get your cardio in. And I think for, for, for Bradley, if none comes in and he makes a more noticeable impact on it and he's basically playing the Bradley role as well, if not better than Bradley, then I don't really know necessarily where Bradley fits into the equation because like you said, THT is going to be there. And, and, and I think Reeves is somebody that the Lakers uh, are invested in right now they're they're slightly pot committed to this guy given the fact that he went from being a two-way contract to now being a rostered nba player Mm -hmm. um maybe a season early potentially earlier than than he might have otherwise and and so they kind of want to be right on that the other one too that i'm kind of thinking about here because i think i do still think the lakers are a player away absolutely and uh i i still believe that they need a wing (laughs) And I do think that over the course of the season, if a wing becomes available, like the Lakers have 15 guys on their roster and they're going to have a choice to make. And the monk thing feels to me like, you know, maybe like a couple of years ago where Jen and I would say like, hey, it'd be nice if we had like one more TV in the house or like one more Sonos speaker that we could just put outside or something like that. and And we would always say like, yeah, well, let's get one more paycheck, and then we'll 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 take a look at that. And I feel like the Lakers right now are like, let's get like one more month's worth of, of revenue, and then we can make a decision as far as eating a contract and going in and bringing somebody else. Yeah, the Lakers aren't aren't eating a contract. contract. <laughs> <laughs> so, but they they might have to, right? Like either either Vogel. I that was the whole point of signing Bradley, and the not guaranteed. To. Well. Right. But then but then like, you know, if he that won't starting, exactly. you can't sit. just
0: cut him in January. Yeah.
1: <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and so like not only would it, I don't think it would set particularly well with Vogel, but I don't know like how well it would set with LeBron and how how well that would sit with the rest of the locker room there. Whereas like I think Monk is a little bit more expendable all the way around. Um, given given like he's he's he didn't win a championship with these guys. He doesn't really fit into Frank Vogel's approach to the NBA. So, like, if the Lakers have to make a decision on a player, I think it's either Malonk and or DeAndre Jordan. Like, if Jordan decide, Jordan could decide midseason because if if this uh, Anthony Davis at center starting lineup sticks around, you don't really need DeAndre Jordan anymore. Like, the Lakers were fine last mm-hmm. night um, getting away with just a few minutes of rest here and there for for AD, and I think they would have preferred to get away with a few more minutes there, which they'd be able to do with Howard. So like DeAndre Jordan becomes expendable in the rotation. And does he want to be in another, like one more situation where he just isn't playing anymore? So he might approach the Lakers and say, Hey, can we find another situation for me elsewhere? Monk might do the same thing where he's like, I'm almost on my way out of the league anyway. Maybe give me an opportunity to go to a a really, really bad team and just put up numbers and stick around a little longer.
0: Yeah, I think that's far more likely for Monk than DJ, just because one, um, DJ is best buds with all of these guys, and there's a a locker room chemistry sort of vibe with DJ that does not exist with Malik Monk. And Mm -hmm. two, just with Dwight's health and AD's health, I would be a little concerned about not having another big on the roster. So I think having DJ around for those emergency minutes just makes enough sense that you want to keep him in that place. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I was I was thinking more like if if the opportunity comes along where the Lakers could upgrade from DJ to a better, like a better version Love of buyout. DJ, yeah, like it's just a better or a different version because mm-hmm. like I've always been iffy about having two centers to do the exact same thing. <clears throat> as, Javale as and Lakers. Dwight Howard, <laughs> yeah, well, right, but like, but even there, like they they it wasn't so exact between Javale and Dwight, like I. I think Dwight was better defensively. And I think JaVale in terms of like being able to throw down a lob and stuff like that was, was slightly better than Mm -hmm. than Dwight. Whereas like DeAndre, I don't think he's better at anything than Dwight right now. No, he's just a
0: more beloved personality.
1: (laughs) Right. Right. And so I'm saying like, if there's, if, if a player becomes available, could be DJ, where's he at right now? Oh, he's in Phoenix. I don't think it it won't be, it won't be JaVale. So, but like, if another player becomes available, who is, DeAndre Jordan, but better. I think the Lakers, uh, I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if they just kind of said to DJ, go and finish off your career somewhere else. We're going to bring in somebody who can actually help us win.
0: And now that we've gotten our first subtle Damian Jones reference of the podcast, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and talk about some news that hit today. (laughs) All right. So Chris Haynes dropped a report earlier today about. I tried to slide it right
1: by you. I tried tried really You literally
0: said DJ instead of JaVale. And I was like, oh, those initials. (laughs) He's not playing for the Kings. He's not playing Monty (laughs) McNair. Just just free him. Let him go. Uh, Free DJ. Yeah. Uh, In
1: both ways. Free us from DJ (laughs) and free the other DJ. (laughs)
0: As I was saying, uh, Chris Haynes released a report earlier today about Damian Lillard's meeting with LeBron James and Anthony Davis during the offseason. This was back when Damian Lillard had some cryptic or not so cryptic comments, depending on how, you know, you read into them about being in Portland for the long haul and whether that roster was able to compete. Uh, He was in L.A. just, you know, filming his music video, stopped by a Los Angeles Sparks game, ran into LeBron James. Bron told him to come by the house. Dame comes to the house, and lo and behold, AD is there too. It was apparently not a recruiting Wait. pitch, <laughs> mm-hmm. not a recruiting pitch. Although, even uh-huh. if it was, who who cares? Because players are not allowed to tamper. Um, but uh, LeBron and AD gave him some just life advice on what it would be like to move to another team, <laughs> and Dame apparently decided that that was not what he wants to do. He wants to be the kind of player who sticks it out for one franchise the entire way through. And um, I'm here to say that that sounds like a recruiting pitch to me. And LeBron <laughs> clearly uh, wanted Dame Willard on the Lakers. Obviously, who wouldn't? We, we already knew that the Lakers had explored potential trade avenues for Damian Willard and Chris Paul before settling on Russell Westbrook. That has been reported. Um, it is unsurprising that if they were – looking to trade for Damian Lillard, that LeBron would be involved in said process, right? I know he's not as close with Dame as he is with Chris Paul, but Mm -hmm. LeBron has to be on board with anything. And I mean, there is a line in the story where Dame says, like, I know my game would fit with the two of you, (laughs) Uh, which, (laughs) duh.
1: (laughs) But yeah, okay.
0: Just all the obvious things that were, you know, taking place here. Anthony, I'm just, I'm just curious, like maybe you read the story. Maybe this is my. The first rendition you've heard of it because you know i'm not no, sure. no I, re-
1: I read it i read but, it. well uh, i skimmed it i yeah, i sure. started i started reading it and then it got past like you the get past the bedtime part
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> look dame you cannot be putting your kid at to bed at nine 30. That is 30 way really too late. late.
0: I'm not a parent, but two-year-old seems really late.
1: <laughs> yeah. Avery's in bed by seven 30. And if not nine 30 come like, this is, this is what's like, tell me you have a nanny without telling me you have a nanny because like, <laughs> if I have to wake up with Avery who is angry because she got two hours less sleep the night prior. Cause it's not like, it's not like us where if we can, if we go to bed late one night. If we, if we can, the next morning, we're going to sleep in a little bit, Mm -hmm. you know, that's not how babies operate. They just like, Oh, I'm, I'm supposed to be awake right now. Mm -hmm. I I'm awake now. This is it. And they don't like, it doesn't register with them that, Hey, it would be, I'd be a little more pleasant if I, if I slept like another hour or a half hour or whatever longer. Mm -hmm. Uh, So no, Dame, get your kid to bed at a decent hour. What the hell? But, um, but no. So did you watch the office? Right so the scene where holly i think her name is holly yeah holly mm-hmm. um she comes back into the picture and she's like romantic romantically involved with uh the other guy's name AJ. um aj and and like you know they're will they get engaged will they will they not get engaged and all this stuff and she ends one of these episodes by saying like it's weird how when you repeat something often enough, it just starts to sound weird in your head. Right. And she goes, it's mm-hmm. fine. It's fine. It's right. fine. It's fine. And, um, it reminds me of a lot of Dame where he's like trying to tell everybody I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm happy. And eventually it just starts sounding weird in his own head. He already like it's the red flags are already up for me. You can't just like walk back everything that you said over the off season, like, you can't, you know, and, and no matter how hard you try to with, uh, I'm not going to make the joke that I was about to make there, but like, you, you, no matter how hard you try to convince everybody of something that you aren't necessarily convinced of, like, it's always going to show up in your quotes. And so, like, sure, maybe he didn't want to come to the Lakers because he wants to avoid a super team per se, where he is literally just like, icing on the cake on on LeBron and AD's route to their next title together. Maybe he wants to be more of a central figure where like he's the LeBron or he's the Anthony Davis there recruiting a third star. Maybe Mm -hmm. that's what Dane would prefer. Uh, But but he can't, like, I'm sorry, I just don't believe him when he says that he's like happy in Portland. I just, uh, all that Portland did over the weekend was like, move some chairs around. They didn't do anything to like significantly change their roster. So if you weren't happy at the beginning of, of, of last year or at the end of last year, and you're saying that all you want right now is uh, to, to be in the title conversation and Portland didn't do anything to make, to put you in that title conversation, then you're not happy. <laughs> like yeah. a plus B doesn't equal C there. So, Chris
0: Haynes is obviously, you know, the Dame whisperer, right? Like if Dame wants a story out, it is going to come via Chris Haynes. And so mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out what Dame is hoping to accomplish with this story. Because I guess the the charitable read is, oh, I was wooed by LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And I told them, no, I don't want to do the super team thing. Yeah. But everybody already knew that you were wooed by the Lakers, right? Like the fact that there was a personal meeting with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Yeah. Where are you? Chris Haynes lovingly fit. described LeBron James' home.
1: <laughs> I would fit, I would. but I don't.
0: <laughs> that, I don't think the point is being accomplished here, right? Yeah. Uh, if the idea was, oh, I'm so committed to Portland, even after these overtures by the Lakers, that's not really what I'm getting here. I'm hearing that, hey, Portland, look how much they wanted me.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Look how much they wanted
1: me. Right. Well, and and like, again, of course, that's that's what he has to do, right? Because otherwise... Mm. Eventually he's going to ask out. Right. He's done every, and 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 I think what he's doing right now is I did everything in my power to to put whatever pressure I had to to get you guys to trade away CJ McCall. I did everything. Mm-hmm. Short of saying, get this trade guy out of here. <laughs> yeah, trade CJ for Ben Simmons. Let's get this done. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, like he's and I, and I think like this feels very clerical. It feels very like all right, here's my email trail on my way out. And, and here's all the emails that, that show, hey, I did everything that I could to avoid a James Harden situation, to avoid a Ben Simmons situation. I did everything that I could to avoid that stuff. And you still didn't catch the memo. And so I think this feels like, yeah, one more, one more effort. It's saying, see, look, they really like me. They would mm-hmm. be willing to do whatever it takes to win those guys a championship. What are you doing here? And, and I think, like, it's, it's legitimately mind boggling that Neil O'Shea continues to be employed. And, yeah. and, and, and like, what, <laughs> what it comes down to is ownership. It, like, the, uh, Paul Allen's wife, right? Sister, it, I think. Sister, yeah. Uh, took over after he passed away and is, I think, not as invested in the Portland trailblazers as uh, Paulie Allen was mm-hmm. because if, if she were, she would be seeing everything that went down with went down with the Chauncey Billups hiring and the PR mess that that was some of that PR nightmare and some of the crap that got sprayed there landed on Dame, which he wasn't obviously very thrilled about. And all that is going on during an off season where he starts it by saying like, I just want to be in a place where I can win and old response to that was like,
0: "Let me get Larry Nance for you."
1: <laughs> yeah, here's here's Larry. Yeah, I was trying to figure out. Like, I was trying to remember which player it was. I like Nance. Mm-hmm. I think he's a he's. I a, like him just one, fine. Yeah, he's a winning NBA player, but he's not. He's not going to have the impact that that he's not going to change the title of conversation. Mm-hmm. That's not how that's going to work. And yeah, I, I think here with with Dame, he's trying to. I think I think it can be both of these things at the same time, where he's trying to convince himself. He even wrote that song the other day, right? Where, or it was like he compares a compares himself
0: to Dirk or something.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like he, he, it was like a freestyle that he did out there where, and some of the lyrics I'm paraphrasing here. Um, but like some of the lyrics was basically like, yeah, I'm trying to stay loyal, like Dirk and all these things. But it's like, I would love to get some truth serum into Dirk and ask him, hey, you could have had more than one championship. You know, you could have gone out there and won three or four championships? Uh, Would you have preferred that or would you prefer the way that your your career goes? And then even furthermore, I would love to ask Dirk, hey, if you hadn't won a championship and stayed loyal to the Dallas Mavericks, how would you look back on your career? And I'm sure he would probably say, you know, something like, hey, I'm very blessed to have had the career that I have, love Mark Cuban, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But also, like, it would have been nice to, 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 to get a ring on my way out here, and it would really suck to see Damian Lillard wrap up an incredible career, an insanely great story, given the way that – where he came from pre-draft and all of that. Exactly. And then just like and, – and not, and not win a championship because of, of this weird loyalty to to a team that doesn't meet him halfway. like it that's what's the most offensive part about this is that he is incredibly loyal and neil o'shea refuses to meet him anywhere in between where damon is standing and where o'shea currently stands in regards to trading cj mccollum
0: yeah it's just not a good enough team in portland i think we knew that um they they do a lot of window dressing like they brought in covington and they uh had trevor reza for a smidge like they try to do all these these little things but the the Big picture is that Damon CJ's backcourt is backwards, not gonna win you title, probably. And nope. they need to fix that and they're not gonna fix that. And it just bombs me out that Damian Lillard can't, you know, get to the point of hey, I want to go to the Lakers like all yeah. the other guys with gumption do. Um uh,
1: yeah. all of the assets have gone with Russell
0: Westbrook trade.
1: <laughs> Obviously, selfishly, I would prefer that he come to I don't even know how that would work. Like, would you trade Russ yeah, trade for Westbrook. Dame? I guess. But why would Portland, Portland do that? So. Portland doesn't do that. But like no,
0: you, you'd have to trade him for KCP and Kuzma and Montrez Harrell and yeah. be leading the Eastern conference, like the Washington. <laughs> <Masters>.
1: <laughs> Weird how that worked out. But like, uh, like I, 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 I think obviously selfishly, I would prefer to have Dame on the Lakers. Um, mm-hmm. I still think he's a pretty flawed player, but all of his flaws would be masked by, LeBron 100% and
0: yeah so like everything the Lakers uh, need is in that package
1: <laughs> right right I mean some of the, the guy who can hit or, a mean, technical
0: foul free throw check
1: no you would well I mean <laughs> what if you trade for Dame and he just forgets how to shoot all of a sudden like, like that. <laughs> but but yeah I would love to see Dame on the Lakers but I would love to see I think it'd be It'd be good for the sport because this is one of those spots where player empowerment, I think, is actually a positive thing. Holding a bad GM, a bad president of basketball, whatever his title is over there, Earl Shays, holding somebody bad at his job to account is the point of player empowerment in this era. Previously, it was getting closer to equality, free agency. You know, uh stuff like that, right? Uh, the way that they're treated on the road and 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 travel and, and all of that, like that was way back in the day what it was for, and, and it was a bigger societal issue. Right now, where it's at is somebody like Neil O'Shea shouldn't be hired, he shouldn't be employed right now. And I think in this case, player empowerment is a very good thing that, that by the way, Portland can probably get behind if Dean just says if he, if he approaches um, Paul Allen's sister and says, uh, hey, get rid of this guy. I don't want him here anymore. Mm-hmm. He's had his opportunity. I think all of Portland would stand behind him. Every single Portland person I've ever spoken to would stand behind this guy. And that's the type of empowerment that I can completely get behind because it's accountability on both sides. And and I think here with, with, with uh, this story, I think this is like, one more last ditch defect that it, it, it like, come on guys. What is he doing over there? Yeah. What are we doing here?
0: Yeah. It, I mean, say what you will about LeBron and the way that he uh, makes decisions for his teams. Like he gets his hands dirty. Um, he, yeah. he has like, you know, David Blatt's blood on his hands. <laughs> like, um, he has said some things about David Griffin. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure.
1: But those guys also, those guys also like, if they were better at their job, he wouldn't have had to get his hands dirty in that way. I
0: mean, I'm you know? not sure if those were all the right decisions, but LeBron owns those decisions. Like he has yeah. said, bring in, you know, Jr. Smith. I can make it work. Like he, yeah. I'm the one who's going to make that happen. Um, and yeah, I don't agree with all of LeBron's decisions. Um, and I think this, you know, he didn't want to bring in Mellow earlier because like, he wasn't sure how it would work. And like, now he can bring in Mellow now that he's proven that he can be a role player in Portland, but mm-hmm. like he, he's, like you said, he's trying to take accountability more than I think Dame is. Dame is still a little bit new to this like single power play that LeBron has been executing for years now. And it's, it's like not the most uh, agreeable thing to do, right? Like there are a lot of people who dislike the way LeBron conducts his business. And I'm sure Dame enjoys the, the reputation that he has, right? Like the, the hometown hero, or not really hometown, but like drafted by Portland, yeah. been there the whole time, mm-hmm. never said a bad word about the organization, dutiful soldier going about his business. greatest player
1: in the history of that franchise, all of that. Right. stuff.
0: And it, it could get a little ugly if he tries to make a power play. And I just think that all of these half, half, you know, half hearted machinations, like, Hey, maybe I could go somewhere else. Like, I don't know if the team is good enough. I never said I wanted to hire Chauncey Billups. Like <laughs> it's not really working. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah. And
1: well, cause he's, I mean, he's trying to, he's trying to, you know, he's trying, like you said, he's trying to, to impose his will and have his way mm-hmm. without any of the accountability that comes with it potentially not working. Cause like, for example, LeBron made it known and, 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 uh, LeBron's camp made it known that the Lakers were on the verge of trading for Buddy Heel. LeBron said, no, I want Russ, right? And the Lakers started working on getting Russ. That right there means that in that fork in the road moment, we can now look at that decision and we'll say, if it works out, LeBron made a right call there and, and, and good on him for imposing his will in that way. If it doesn't work out and he and Russ never quite gel the way that maybe he thought that they were capable of gelling, we have to look at LeBron and his thought process there and say, yeah, that wasn't great. That yeah. wasn't a good, a, a good move, but, but there's
0: was that, a big move that he put his name on.
1: Yeah. That, yeah. that he, like there's, there's a, there's a, there's a sense of like self pride where he's just like, yeah, this is what I preferred. And this is the road that we, that we are now on right now and we got to make it work. And it makes him by the way, all the more invested. And it makes Russ, by the way, all the more invested in making it worse, because if that doesn't work, Russ knows that like LeBron's name is on going out and getting Russ. Yeah.
0: And I I think put his reputation on the line for me. Yeah. And I
1: think for like, like Larry Nance, like, it's not like, you know, not quite apples to apples, but Larry Nance isn't going to be there and be like, oh, hell yeah. Dame wanted me specifically. (laughs) Like, it's just like, Dame was just like, you know, it'd be nice if we got better. How would you like to get better? I don't know. know, A different sixth or seventh man, maybe. (laughs) Right. Right. So I just think for, for like, if, if Dame, he can't have this both ways where he decides that I want, you know, he wants to win a championship and he wants to, to, to be the face of, of Portland's uh, new future or their future together, then fine, you can do that. But you also have to understand that that comes with risk too. If, if, if you don't, if you make some bad calls and you, out you know, if, if Dame says, all right, I want to go trade CJ McCollum for Ben Simmons, get this done, Neil, or get this done, whoever I need to get this mm-hmm. done. And that doesn't work out. Let's say they do that and it doesn't work out. That's something that Dame has to wear. But if he says that and they go out and do that and it works to where uh, Ben Simmons and him, which word like Ben Simmons <laughs> and Dame make a whole bunch of sense together. Especially and when so, you saw like,
0: Norm Powell there.
1: Right. Yeah. Like it would it, be a fun good core that gives them a better chance at winning a championship. So if he puts his name on that and it works, then Dame just becomes even more beloved because he just made Portland better by imposing his will.
0: Yeah. I think it's a really interesting test case and how far people are willing to extend their power in the NBA. And we obviously have it to one extreme with LeBron and I am just fascinated to see if other players are willing to, use their leverage the way he has. Again, I'm not always sure that it's for the best, right? I think the Lakers would look probably pretty fine with what healed. But yeah, (laughs)
1: um, yeah, probably. Here we are. (laughs) He's like on fire. He like (laughs) walks around engulfed by flames so far this season.
0: All I know is it means the Lakers would still have KCP and that's that's really the the end game of this process. So um, (laughs) that has been I realized I was
1: podcasting with Zane.
0: I like to. I want. I want to say that I was the original KCP advocate in the chat. He is just much more vocal about it.
1: <laughs> as long as, like, I'm fine with. I'm fine with you being. And this is way inside baseball, but you can be the the KCP person so long as you say like you don't put ketchup on steak. Then, like, then we're good. Then we're stuck. <laughs>
0: All right. So thank you for sticking through all of those useless details about the Silver Screen Roll Slack chat. Um, Mm -hmm. This has been I Love Basketball. That was Anthony Irwin. Thank you so much for listening to our show. Make sure you are subscribed to the Silver Screen Roll podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we'll be back next week.